0: I'm not, I'm not into that. I mean, dude, I'm in and out, bro. <laughs> I don't fucking light the candles and shit. Plus, you got to clean that thing afterwards. That's got to be the worst part, man. <sighs> that and a nickel will get you a
1: coffee. That's it what they used to say. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Gearbuds podcast episode one hundred and sixty-two. It's me and you, my buddy Dave and Henry too. It's Gearbuds. Gearbuds podcast. There it is. It kind of ended a little weak, but I'm happy how we started. Hey, I just we're warm. Let's do this podcast. Warmed up, baby. Gearbuds podcast episode one hundred and sixty-two. I'm Henry. That's Dave. Hello. This is our show that we do all the time, and we do it for us, and we do it for you. So let's do it again. Here we go. The symphony of corrections. Got a lot of stuff today in the symphony. There's, there's, there's a lot of stuff. It's a bit, bit of a beefer. We'll see what happens in this episode in general. I don't even know. I have no idea. But I'm excited about it. It's Friday, and we usually record these on Friday, but we're doing it a bit earlier because we're a little wackier today. It's got a four day weekend, yeah. friends for Memorial of- Day. We're still going to put this out on actual Memorial Day yes. if you want to listen to it, but maybe you're not listening on Memorial Day. I don't, I don't know. We usually forget to think ahead to when these are coming out. Yeah. I, n- I noticed. So it's like, oh, it's yeah, like- this is going to come out on the days of Mems. So <laughs> hi, happy Memorial Day. If you're listening to Memorial Day, if not, you know, uh, or don't live in America, then, you know, carry on. But here we go. Here's your weekly reminder that. Cables are tone tubes. Yes, they are. I was gonna give you a chance to pop it if you wanted nah. to. Didn't do it. Thank you for listening to this. Follow us on the stuff, subscribe on the stuff, email us at the stuff. Gearbuds podcast at gmail.com. If you reach out, well, that's not what I meant to say. If you shout out n- still not what I meant to say. <laughs> if you reach out, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the first one. I want right. to help you here, but I don't know where you you're don't know. going with if this. If you if you reach out, we will shout you out. And yes. this week, we got a lot of replies from the last week's episode, nice. episode 161, including from some folks that we talked about with the super exciting amplifier collaboration. Yes, uh, Shelby and Balti uh, of Black Bobbin and Balthazar Amps respectively and uh so i've got to say hi thanks for thanks for replying and just yeah, listening and and they were thankful for us talking about i believe a shelby called it uh their tv amp or whatever because i think so, i made some comment about it kind of sound looking a little bit like a fancy tv but whatever i don't care i'm they sort of it's just surrounded the rounded a cool retro G, so it's, it's yeah it retro retro looks awesome man. but uh balty also then replied to because Folks, if you haven't been listening for a long time, maybe, yeah, maybe you haven't, like he, it, Balthazar Delay just like always has awesome stories and fun facts about things. And so we were talking about Dave's doc last week where uh, George Martin had the studio oh, in Montserrat. Under the volcano. Under the volcano. And uh, he had a lot of fun facts to share about that. So would you like me to I, share those please, now with the rest yes. of us? Because okay, I, so.
0: I, did, I did find that they moved pretty quickly and I didn't get a lot of the... The juicy gear, gear filled details. There
1: is some juicy gear filled detail to share. It's here. And he said, he texted me and he said, let's see. Fun fact. The George Martin Neve console from Air Montserrat is now owned by dot, dot, dot Brian Adams. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Also, Robert Palmer lived across the street from the studio. Interesting. Right.
0: I don't think, I don't think he recorded there. At least not according to the documentary. So maybe he was just taking in the scenery.
1: He just decided beautiful to, get, place to get, live. get nearby for the hangs Fuck and yeah, meet dude. a bunch of peeps. Uh, he said that the the professional digital recorder that got big was the Sony 3348. They cost $100,000. You were asking 80s, me
0: about that last week. Uh, and were
1: 16-bit. Those. He said that because Balty, before the Amplify World, he's lived a, n- a number of lives, including being the Smashing Pumpkins tech guy for a long time. Also, when I met him before that, he was an engineer in a very renowned studio here in Chicago and has and done a bunch of stuff all throughout all the big studios. And he said that uh, I was at a session in 2001 where we blind listened to it versus Pro Tools and it sounded better to pretty much everyone. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. really cool.
0: So that's what they recorded the... Um, he said, quote, dire that Strait was stuff. the Dire Straits machine. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, very cool.
1: He also said that the funny thing about the Mitsubishi, the Sony, and other digital machines at the time is they, they used tape still as oh, the medium. Really? Uh, so, so they were a fancy version of the scenes from, quote, CIA, CIA headquarters in the 70s movies with all the tape data machines warring away behind <laughs> the actors. So, okay. No kidding. Thanks, thanks, for, thanks for such a colorful addition. I, I mean, you bizarre. asked me
0: about that last week, and I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that response. I know. It gives it's, me a
1: little insight. It makes, it makes the show and the world a better place. Does. So there it was. Oh, also, I got this. Here's another update for the symphony. I watched some more of those uh, Maris delay pedal videos that we talked about last week, and I didn't know if, how it was pronounced. And it is, in fact, LVX. So okay. I wasn't sure if it was like a Roman numeral thing, although that would have made sense, or Lux, but it is LVX. VX. Okay. Oh, I also want to, and here's another little addition that I didn't even mention in in my preview last week. It has a tuner built into it too. Oh yeah. Well, that's fantastic. That's another uh, you could you could take your tuner off of your pedal board. I like that. Get it out of there, throw it away. Also, another update, Dave. After talking about it, I did in fact pre-order the Korg NTS2 Oscilloscope with book.
0: Oh, that's right. I Had I th- to do it. Yeah, I mean,
1: come on, it's yeah. got a book. It's, it's, it's got a book in a series of books that I already have reviewed previously yeah, on this here Ding Dang podcast. It's meant to be, dude. It is meant to be. Also, you know what was meant to be? I put this on here. Uh, this is just – folks, if you're not a long-time listener of the show, this is just our catch-all section at the beginning of the show every yeah. week where if we just talk about updates and – Things that we talked about before and other random things. But you mentioned – I just had to throw this on here. You mentioned uh, that you have previously played a gig. Because last week we talked We talked a lot about your recent Hot Bloods, get Bloods gig. Yeah. So Goals and Hot Bloods, Goals in that episode. You and another band have pre- previously played a gig at a an establishment called the Jackhammer.
0: It was called the Jackhammer. Um, I don't know if I blocked it out of my mind or just completely forgot that I we ever I, played there. Never,
1: you have never told me about this. And, and, uh, and, 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 and we sort of glossed over it, and I just really needed to – Bring that back up My here, fellows,
0: My fellows and Blaine Fonda could, could attest as well. Uh, it was an excellent gig, man. My, maybe one of the funnest gigs we ever played. I think we got paid really well, too, so that's always nice. Mm. And it was kind of like a, a variety show, and we were kind of the house band, um, and they had like a drag show going on and just like dancers and people doing crazy cabaret-style mm. shit. And then we kind of played in between some of the acts, and then we had kind of a gig at the end where we played some more. So, um, But the funny part about it was what I forgot was... They had where you have to store your cases because in a lot of shows, people don't, you know, you, you can't walk You've got in got and just have dead cases and, you know, amp cases and all this stuff. So they were like, well, you can store them down in this basement if you guys need to, like, you know, change or whatever, you know, get ready. This is kind of your green room, right? So we go down there and this is like at five in the afternoon when we're loading in. You know, no big deal. It's just like a kind of a dark hallway. We kind of walk down it and we get our cases. I really like where this is going. Set everything up and stuff. I will mention... Um, we loaded in, and uh, and our singer's dad came with, because he was taking- Where folk. is the jackhammer? It's up in Andersonville. Oh, so it's in the city. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't yeah.
1: realize. I'm picturing some some sort of outside of some small town Mm-mm. in the middle of nowhere. Oh, no. This is in, this wow. is in oh, Chicago's this is
0: Andersonville uh, neighborhood. And uh, we go there, and we're loading in. And it's like, you know how you go into a bar, and there's a couple people sitting there, and like, no big deal. They're having a beer. It's like after mm-hmm. the work day. And we're loading in, and, and, and Mark's dad's with us, and he's taking photos because he's kind of like into the photojournalism style. Of like, awesome. And so he's taking these cool photos with this cool camera, and we're loading in. We're kind of talking about where we're supposed to put everything. And then we look up, and there is just the most hardcore gay porn going yeah, on. Yeah, there is. Just, but it's like any other bar you walk, you walk in, it's like no big deal, middle of the day. And I look up, and I was like, oh, just saw that going on. I, hate
1: it. So that's, that was, I, that's, I would be inspired to play a better gig, I think. I
0: think we did. I think we actually. That's were. What you're, I mean, you said it was the most fun you've ever had. Caught me off guard a little bit. So then we go down to the you know the basin <laughs> The periphery there. We left our cases, and then I, I'll never forget. So they treated us very well at the bar. We were free drinks all night. Oh yeah. Uh, so we stayed a little longer than usual. You know, couple
1: so, couple two tree drinkers. Couple two band. tree
0: drinkers. We used to like our uh, brewskis, like cold pops, <laughs> and we would go. So then we're like, all right, it's like you know two in the morning. Let's get out of here. Let's start loading out and all this stuff. So we go down. To where our cases are and the green room well the the entrance to the green room downstairs in the basement turned into a, like a, a real life sex dungeon oh yes and uh it was it was excellent and i specifically it remember was excellent. <laughs> we're just dude we were cracking up we were just having well, of the all, best sex all the lights were lives. off when we went down there so we didn't know what was going on there were like urinals everywhere you're not sure if that's a <clears throat> keyboard stand or a- yeah Dude, stand there were... Um, what are those stand. things you put your hands and your head through? The stocks? Stockades? Ooh, stockades. Is that what they are? Yeah, where you, like, you throw yeah. tomatoes at guys like in the medieval times sure. and stuff. They had those. I don't think that's usually what they I did. I don't think they were throwing tomatoes in their faces. Uh, so then we come... And then you know we're coming back out. And then there's like, kind of like a bouncer guy kind of working at the door. And uh, he's like, where are you guys going? Are you going to hang out? And we're like, I think we're going to go. But um, he had on... This is the greatest, dude. He had nothing on but a, uh, leather straps over his pectoral area and his oh, abdomen yes. area and a teddy bear cod piece. <laughs> that's it. And he was greased <laughs> up, dude. I mean, a handsome gentleman and I was flattered. He wanted us to stay, but uh, unfortunately, it, was that is late. quite a compliment. It was that's... getting late. Uh, so we decided we would just leave, but, all uh, right, just one tug and I'll go. But we were talking about you know the tug bar, which is kind of how it t- all started. And if we, right. gonna, if we were gonna if we gonna open <laughs> that is a bar, how, that is how we got to that. Uh, at this in this uh, you know angle of uh, of an establishment, of that, course the, the tug bar would be a great. name. The tug
1: bar being a uh, the slang for the it's term the of thumb the ba- rest
0: under the base, yeah, under the strings. under the, the strings, on, yes. instead of being on top instead, of the strings. Before they moved it, yeah, to the top. So it was gear related in a certain way uh, that story, but yeah, it's still gear buds. Yeah, it's it definitely fits in the in the mm-hmm. in the outline so yeah man shout out to the jackhammer I think they are temporarily closed still because of the covids and all that stuff um, but I hope they reopen and if they ever want us to come back and play I would absolutely play there please, please I'll just come hang out oh, dude, it's great
1: this speaking of at best tangentially related to mm-hmm. gearbuds I've got another at best tangentially related to gearbuds thing to say because two things one it is kind of music related in that it, it is about Drake celebrity superstar Drake oh and also I uh, Look, let's be honest. I, I find any reason I can to mention anything about Formula One. So last week there was uh, a, a big race that happened, uh, the the Barcelona Grand Prix, and Drake posted on Instagram about post about uh, making his first ever bet. On Formula 1. Oh, wow. And right before the race, he bet on Leclerc, who is one of my favorite drivers, if not my favorite driver. Just to, to win. win? Okay. And he shows, it was a screenshot of the bet for $300,000. Oh, boy. And if you, unfortunately, if you are a Drake or Formula 1 fan, you probably already know that... Oof. Our buddy Charles uh, DNF'd, which means he did not finish the race, oh. and that means that Drake lost three hundred thousand fucking oh dollars on his dude. first ever
0: Formula One bet. What was the upside? Do you know what the odds were? Seven,
1: it was so he would have made seven fifty.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Playing with that funny money, man. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure Drake will be okay. He's he'll he'll bounce right back.
1: <laughs> but can you imagine your first time? like, it was just yeah, like first first ever F1 bet, and it was a very good bet because. Unfortunately for all of us fans and Drake, he Charles dominated and and until I think it was like, I don't even know, maybe 10 laps left in the race was in first place the entire race and right. then just had an engine failure and, and wow. DNF. So really, pitted. I mean, it was a good bet it was a good bet yeah it, w- it could have been but could've you know been, yeah. for the reliability being the other I've, I've, magic factor in formula I've One. i've definitely
0: been there um where you go to like an a sporting event or like you go to vegas for the first time and you're like we got to bet on something like come on and, like i could see getting all excited at it you know at a formula one race and just being like oh i'm gonna bet dude we got to." you something, have to just to get even more it, interested in uh it.
1: i i won't i won't name any of them and i think in fact some of them listen to this show but some of my friends uh <laughs> have gotten or who are gamblers have gotten into both formula one and gambling together and, okay. and, and from what i can tell, it does make things much more interesting and there are you can while the race is going on you can still bet you can still keep yeah. betting and the and all of the the laws are changing yep. constantly which is kind of interesting yeah
0: yeah yeah i would like to i'd be especially interested in that like wait till like one of the last laps or something and then start throwing down see what happens cool.
1: well i thought that was interesting enough to share <laughs> in our podcast here but we've got some actual gear stuff to share two things about reverb that we noticed this week mm-hmm. the first one uh before we get into the other thing that I feel like is kind of a big deal. Uh Reaver brought back the date listed on listings. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I missed it so. It used to be there for 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 years I wonder and then if, they got rid of it.
0: Yeah. I wonder if for sellers if there's mixed opinions on that, you know, 'cause like Definitely. sometimes people feel like if, if it shows something's been for sale for two years, you know, sometimes they those might be like, Oh, are, I can those balls are gonna drop dr- even lower. Dropping some low balls on these guys. Um so I wonder if sellers are getting like kind of annoyed with that. It would be nice maybe as the seller if you could toggle it on and off if you didn't want that feature, but I I think it's I think oh, overall it's Put nice
1: the to power have it. in the hands of the seller. I like that yeah. idea. Uh, I also but I also prefer as a buyer uh being able to see it all the time. Oh, me cause too. Cause I, it's such it's such a nice it's such a nice thing. I I also I would prefer if they gave us the full detail and said on sold listings when it sold so we could yes. see like
0: and I'm sure they have that information. You know the met, the metrics are there.
1: Yeah, who knows if they're connected and they're right? Hobby. They've got their database set up. But well, it does it make it be.
0: interesting because if let's say you're looking at five Stratocasters all around the same price range and the same, you know, they've all been listed and none of them are selling for this price range after let's say 30 days or 60 days or something. You've got to start thinking. Ah, oh, maybe the maybe the market's too high on what these guys are asking. Maybe you know they should start lowering. The Encourage more
1: them more. to algorithmic al- algorithmically lower their prices. <laughs> <laughs> and okay, so that was number one reverb thing. Number okay. two, and this is this is a big deal. And I, I think it's I I haven't seen anybody else talking about it, but uh, reverb has added the function to trade in your gear for cash
0: yeah we uh well you sent me the link and i had no idea that this i think was it, i don't know if it's like a beta thing i got some email about it but do we know we know more about it
1: well I, I there is not a ton of detail on the on the landing page for it it does seem like it is kind of an early days situation but here's what i was able to gather about this pr- program it looks like basically they've got a certain amount of things already kind of set up on there a lot of your basic things gear like a sm57s and tube screamers or whatever but there were a lot of pages worth of stuff and it does seem like you can also still add things yourself if you want but basically it's like if you've got an sm57 click this thing and x uh, account which I, i it seems like you could sign up to be someone that is both a, a buyer and a seller sure. in, this, in this program. Okay. But as a seller, you can say like, oh, click this. And if you've got an SM57, you can sell it for $36. Like we'll right give you now, this cash. flat
0: bottom dollar price for it or whatever. That's right. And yeah. I
1: noticed that Gear Tree seems to be the one that is like dominating all the listings right now. So maybe they're one of the first and they, sort of piloting the program.
0: I believe they send you like a free shipping uh, label and all that stuff. Yeah, right? it's
1: you don't have to take any picks. Uh, you don't get charged any selling or shipping fees. So it looks like it's like That's just I mean, kind of like straight up, which if, if you just you have know,
0: a ton of 57s laying around, and you're like, I just want to start. I don't want to deal with all this. Uh, you're, you. It does seem like you're
1: paying, you know, uh, there is a there is a you're paying for the convenience and that you're not getting as big of a profit as you would get if you just sold directly. But yeah. it's not a huge amount. It seems like so for the convenience, it seems, I don't know. I kind of, my, my initial thought was like, wow, this seems scammy because maybe I'm just a pessimist in general. But the more that I actually dug into, it, I was like, no, I think this is a good option for people to have. It's if you just like straight up want cash, you're not looking to get any trades or stay right. in, in the gear world. Like you're maybe you're just trying to sell out. Well, for that's whatever.
0: why it's funny. They call it trades because you're really not trading it. You're just getting a, you're lower, selling it, a lower price for, for you know. cash. But it's nice because it's instant. It sounds like it's instant. I mean, rather than waiting you know, putting a 57 up and waiting three weeks for it to sell. And then if the like
1: person like that, because I don't know what sort of protection there is on that cash either. So it's like, you know, if you sell something in whatever, you've always got it, there's always got to be a return window. And there's buyer there's kind of stuff. yeah, so.
0: I mean, there's got to be like for this company that maybe they have to inspect it. Like if you sell them a microphone, they've got to make sure it works. I mean, they can't just take a broke, can't take broken. Well,
1: it, well it's right? kind of, it's dude, it kind of feels like, I felt like in some ways I felt like I was like Rick or whatever the guy's name is in Pawn Stars. It's like I feel like it's like this local pawn shop. We're giving you this
0: no matter what. This is like the bottom price that we'll give you. Which, yeah, I think
1: that's okay that that option exists. But at first I was kind of just like, I don't know about this. But because it's, you know, I got a buddy. uh, It's called Reverb. I'm going to give him a call. (laughs) He'll come down to the shop. You just hang out for a little
0: bit. I like it, man. I mean, I I like that they're at least toying with that idea. Um, Yeah. You know, I'm sure I could look around and find a handful of things that like, well, I like, like you said, they set up kind of the idea of like what they would want from you, like boss tuners and stuff like that. Like things that are very common
1: because at, at the end of the end of all of it, whoever is making this purchase, they have to, they have to have some room to then make a profit on it. It's like, they're not going to buy it no, at course. a loss. So it's, yeah, that's the understanding with any pawn So shop like, don't situation. get all bent
0: out of shape when they're like, we'll give you $30 for your tuner pedal. Like it's not shit. It's not a bad, not a bad return. I don't actually. know if you're not going to use the pedal, maybe just let it. Turn into some
1: cash via reverb.com this is an ad okay it's about time to get to my favorite thing that I'm gonna say but before we say those two magic words yes uh I wanted to bring up something that I sent you a link about and I don't know if you ever if you were able to find anything about this after some digging and that was the anteroom of paradise or is it hell an, an incredible mini dock on London's
0: mysterious rock and roll island yeah what um, was the deal with that so there's Kate? a dock out there um and, and it's I was se- like you should watch it Oh, yeah. And I was like, great. Yeah. And then I looked all over for it. Um, it seems like so. So the ad, or whatever you sent me, the article about yeah. it, I should say, not ad, um, has uh, the trailer for it. And it also has another, what looks like a, a separate documentary about that club. Right. But they're not the documentary, but not the documentary itself. The two videos linked in that article yeah. were one for a trailer for it and two for a separate documentary about okay. it, Got which it. was also just like a short little 15 minute thing. Um, then I went to IMDb because I'm like, well, does what, this even where, exist? Is this a real thing? And it looks like it came out uh, kind of more of like a film festival style uh, thing recently. No, like oh. 2015. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, snizzle, so I was kind of like, oh, maybe this maybe they just never did a digital release of it. If there is somewhere, I would love to freaking watch. it. Well, we're not going to tell the whole story now, folks. We're not prepared to do that. But it seems like
1: something that's really interesting that we want to yeah. feature in the future. So maybe if we can't find that particular documentary, maybe we just do one just of those do a special research. days doc. Research yeah, where it's situations. just a
0: collaboration of like different things going on. Yeah, I think that could be cool. Yeah, right. absolutely. That said. Yes. It's time for Dave's Docs. Wow. What an intro. What do we got this week, my friend? So this is kind of fun. This is a doc I watched years ago before we did uh, Dave's Docs or anything like that. Uh I'm sure we've probably talked about it. Meaning you and I have talked about it? Just probably discussed it. Sure. I don't don't think we've ever really gotten into detail on here about it. Yes. Um, So I rewatched it. Uh Uh-oh. Um... Because I own it Love a rewatch Ooh, and, and an own Yeah That and says a lot It's kind of hard to find online actually Because it's from 2010 And it's about a little band called Rush What are we about to talk about? Just a about? little band called Rush What's the doc? Beyond the Lighted Stage Oh Did you ever see this? I have seen it this It is the full story of Rush mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like two and a half hours long mm. And I fucking watched it two days ago And it was awesome Two and a half hours long Just like the length of an average Rush record <laughs> Yeah pretty much man Pretty fucking much. Uh, I don't want to like really get. I mean, we could talk about this for an hour. For so much, it's so, so much long content. So I'll kind of go over like the idea. Um, it's it's basically. Well,
1: first, were are you are you would you have called yourself a Rush fan before
0: having rewatched? That's this? a great question. I think that's a great way to start this off, actually. Um, short answer is no. Okay. Because I don't own any of their records. Obviously, I know the hits that I've heard. But you own the Divid documentary. I do. Well, from like years and years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I just... Who knows? Maybe you sort of acquired it. It's like, oh, he Dave plays bass. He must love Rush. Well, I did have the Getty Lee jazz bass for a very long time yeah. and for years. And it was still... I still tell people today, it's one of the best, most underrated, uh, the made in Japan one, the most underrated yes. jazz basses you can buy from Fender, period. Um... That being said, okay, so you I'm, a, I'm you not a fan, a fan, but I respect the hell out of the players. I mean, You have to as a musician, they, right? You, they could arguably be three of the best players on the same stage at one time. Arguably. Which is weird, because Connect I always feel that.
1: like Alex Lifeson kind of gets uh, short shrift, at least in my mind, because of the fact that the rhythm section was just yep. so dominant. Absolutely. By the way, those that stick around to the end of the show, this will make a little full circle we didn't plan it but this will make a full circle come back okay i just gotta say
0: great so um so what i liked about this doc it's it's let me just say that i
1: am a fan of rush okay do you do you have some of their records i do i well i had their cds growing up sure Um, i don't believe actually now i think about i don't think i've ever gone back and bought any vinyl but i yeah yeah, from a young age for some reason my mom like had reasonable taste of music you know whatever but for some reason like also just randomly really liked uh, Rush and yes, so I just like yeah stole my mom. I always
0: s- kind of put, the put them in the same like category. Too yeah, at a young age, so yeah. yes,
1: I do. I I did I did enjoy Rush a lot at a young age, and I still I still re- I, you know I don't I'm not throwing on any of their albums anytime yeah. soon. But like if the if one of their songs comes on or if I just like randomly think of it, yeah. I will definitely get down to like a Rush jam, a little Y Y Z all day. Oh,
0: dude, and you know the funny thing about them too is they were such a cult band. Like their shows are only their fans. You know what I mean? Like, it's like everybody at the show who's going to see rush, who knows rush, you don't leave like halfway through a song and like stuff like that. You yeah. And the but by the
1: way, that is an arena filled with people, but like, well, it was.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as is highlighted in the film, I love you, man. So, so that scene and I love you, man, where they're kind of like broing down yeah. together and she's, you know, she's kind of with them. Like I don't really listen to rush yeah. and it kind of that awkward moment where she's like, you and your boyfriend were like playing Airbase or whatever she uh-huh. was saying. That, that scene, they cut to people in the crowd, like, because, uh, you know, this is a 2010 documentary. They were touring for the Snakes and Arrows when they made this documentary. So it goes back to modern time and they show the fans and you're like, oh, this is straight up. It's the same.
1: There. It is. It is accurate.
0: It's like all the guys are just air bass. Everybody's playing air bass or air drum. <laughs> You've got to pick which instrument you're going to do before you go. Well, you in. go with your two buddies yep. and you are a band and, and you, you each pick. Yeah, you each pick and then you can trade off through songs. I'm would
1: sure. you Would you stick with air bass or would oh, you yeah. switch instruments? Yeah, I
0: like to. Hit, I like to hit those drum fills, though. Too, I know. Once in a while, man. I know. I don't know like a lot of the stuff, though. I mean, like some of the really intricate fills, they were showing some of these fans and they're just like They actually. They know every. The, the I mean, I'm like, I don't even know if these guys are drummers or if they just know the song that well, you know. But maybe both.
1: They're just moved by the music. Um,
0: I there was interviews, a lot of like celebrity interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go mostly down mostly canadian of those. celebrities. I would imagine. No, actually no. not, man. Trent Reznor, um, Taylor Hawkins, RIP. Kirk Hammett, uh Sebastian Bach, Jack Black, who's fucking hilarious in it. Uh, Tim Comerford. Bass player from Rage Against from the range. Machines. If people don't know that, uh, Billy Corgan has a lot in it, and Les Claypool talks a little bit in it oh, too. And course. there's more. Um, I'm sure I left out Gene Simmons, obviously, because they toured with Kiss mm-hmm. for a while. But D- so is the documentary. I can't remember. I know I've seen it, but yeah. I can't really remember the specifics. It, so is it, it, yeah, is it pretty.
1: Is it pretty? It was. I remember yeah. that. Was it, is it pretty linear? Does it kind of follow them yes. from start to finish? So did it, my question to you, Dave, is: Did you notice any? Was there any sort of interesting gear spotting yes. situation going on? Yes,
0: in the early days yes well can i have some of it yes <laughs> uh so here's what i here's what i picked up on real quick uh-huh uh, i'm pretty sure you and uh, our boy alex have the exact same 335 oh really he's well he has a lot of 335s uh-huh. but specifically he has a sunburst one that looks like early 70s uh-huh. that has the smaller rectangle blocks yeah i believe that's what yours has small blocks um and it it looked like the same exact burst and everything, so I was like, "That's pretty funny." That might be, yeah, yeah. It's I all always, mine
1: is also. I know it's mine is the same year as the Larry Carlton, people, yeah, one that people really
0: like. What's funny is they always associate to me. Um, I always think of Alex Lifeson playing uh, Les Paul, which was kind of more of a recent thing. He was really a huge three thirty-five guy and, and three fifty-five guy, which again
1: may come back at the very end of this show and tonight. a three thirty. Really? He yep. He playing a the 330 one
0: part with I'm, the P90s? I'm, I'm 100% sure of it. Like it, like wow. exactly like that.
1: No way. Yeah. Folk, he says that he's pointing, at, pointing at the I'm pointing at yours, which is out here. Right
0: now. And I love that when it graces us with its presence. It hasn't like left because
1: I play it all
0: day. Um, and then a lot of people associate Getty Lee with the jazz bass, like the signature mm-hmm. Fender jazz bass. Honestly, he played a black Rickenbacker 4001 mm-hmm. for like most of their career. Didn't he also play a wall? He had a wall. Dude, he had some basses. Dude. Bro. Uh, I made a list of gear that was just like, all right, he had a Double Neck 4001. Oh, that's face. right. So it's, it's a guitar on the bottom and a, and a face so on the top. That's so cool, dude. It's I wonder black. what he used that on. He must have had it for that for a specific Yeah, reason, they would right? take him out for like certain songs, yeah. and then Alex Lifeson would play the Double Neck, um, whatever the Gibson, like the, the Jimmy Page. The EDS 1275. Yes, thank you. Uh, Taurus pedals, obviously the synths. Yeah. but that stuff came a little bit later in like the '80s, really, when he really got into the synths. When stuff. they were
1: starting off, did you, was he? It was a four thousand one. Yep,
0: just the black and yeah. white or the jet glow, right? You know, pretty standard. And then
1: it was three thirty five for guitar. What about and do, was he playing a? Do you know if he was playing acoustic amps?
0: Um, I can't remember what. He, that's funny. So you know, they didn't show a lot of amps, and I yeah. and I can say I, I know for a fact, Getty Lee, especially like in the modern era, is all about direct. He doesn't use amps. In fact, oh. he has rotisserie chickens on stage, like rotisserie chicken ovens. Uh, he's done, he's done they, wash machines. The washing machines. Yep, uh, yeah. Yep. So they showed all that shit. Um, but I will say also, Alex Lifeson uses, um, Hughes using Kettner amps currently. Ah, or, yes, H&K you know, K stuff, sure. More modern. Like, I don't like know a what he was really playing before He that. might have even had a signature amp for that. I did see Marshalls at one point. Yeah, you know, of course. R- big high-gain Marshalls. Um, yeah, there was a... Dude, there's a 335 that he's playing at one point. It's it's like that walnut finish with like a bigsby on it. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, it's so cool. I look. I might I, I
1: don't I don't own any, but I one. maybe my favorite look of a hollow or semi hollow gibson is the walnut yeah however i have played a lot of them thinking that that's what i wanted to buy and i've never actually liked the feel of a single one i've played i mean i i've played over a dozen is it because like
0: the extra lacquer they put on it or something? i don't
1: know if it was the era where they were making that finish or the lacquer specifically or the size of the neck or whatever it was but i've played a lot of them thinking that like yep this is what i want to have and then i pick them up i'm like yep, this looks cooler than it feels right for, for the old hankers
0: um did you know that um neil pert yes was not the original drummer
1: no by the way did they call him neil peart,
0: in peart the movie? yeah i it, say it's pert. so hard to because
1: uh, I, I was raised saying neil pert and then yeah. you, you watch these movies and it's they all spelled say like peart. heart with a p
0: right yeah so you were like peart yeah they do say peart but also they're canadians so come on but they're also the them the actual first, <laughs> like, you know the band that, i'm gonna they, mispronounce neil peart this one uh, it's uh, so hard the original drummer's name was john rootsy R U T S? Rutzy, Rutzy. What's um, up, Rutzy? Dude, he was phenomenal, and he and he didn't have the double kick and like the oh, double shit. drum set. He just played a straight drum set. Mm-hmm. And they started playing together. I didn't know this. Getty and Alex met each other in junior high and started playing oh, like early whoa. high school together in a band. Um, Were they
1: ever in bands with anyone else? Or was it was always just them. Yeah,
0: I want to say Alex was in a band, and the drummer was in another band with someone else. But then, you know, they formed pretty quickly. Dang. Um, so I thought that was kind of just shout out to to John Ruzzi because you gotta, and he actually the problem with him he actually had uh, uh, diabetes and he couldn't they like couldn't go on the road, they were drinking a lot and partying and he's like he's just he knew his health so they had to actually let him go. The manager was like, "We're gonna have to let you go, man. Like you're just it's, not gonna." That's be able interesting to because up. they were like such a nerdy, not party band. I okay, so I always had this theory that they didn't party because there's a scene where they're touring with Kiss and they're talking about how there's like a women's bowling team on the same floor. And kiss and like they were all running around like playing grab ass with these girls and all this stuff, and they said they couldn't find rush, and then they were just in their room, like watching television right. So I always associated them with not partying, but they are they definitely talked about like drinking beer. And they stuff did like yeah, yeah, so they they drank and hung out. actually, first gig they ever had was like the first real gig they ever had was in front of like eleven thousand people. What? They were opening for somebody. Oh, did I write it down? what? Yeah, dude, what? Um, and actually, the other thing that was kind of neat was. They, um, they, the reason they got big, they were playing rec centers, but then Toronto changed their drinking law to 18. It used to be 21. Uh So they could only do because they were all 18. So as soon as they changed the drinking law to 18, they turned 18 and they're like, we can go play real clubs now and play like loud rock music for people. And that was kind of how they really took off doing that. Um, I forget who the band was that they opened. Thanks, for. Brewskies. Thanks, Labatt. Oh, it was, uh, they had two weeks. Oh, this is what it was. So they had played a few gigs, but they had two weeks once Neil joined the band uh, to prepare for their first show in front of 11,000 people with opening for Manfred Mann and Uriah Heep. No way. Yeah. Hold your head. <laughs> <laughs> right? Hold your head up. So that was oh, pretty. Wait, is that Argent? I'm trying to think of those. Pretty much it. I don't know. It works for me though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was you know. There's a lot of stuff in there, so I'm not gonna like go crazy. But would
1: so for two and a half hours? I mean, you it must have been good if you you've seen this and own and own it. But yeah. then like still were willing to watch it all the way through. Again. Yeah. Well,
0: I figured I haven't done a Dave's doc, and I think I feel like we were just talking about Rush, maybe or something. We're always week. talking about. Know, Rush. They make it in. I mean, they they're, always they're, they're gear ubiquitous. Nerds. Um, I will say something really sad that happened was in 1997. Neil's daughter died in a car accident. Yeah, and they called him, and then he like he like went home, and then his wife died from like cancer or something like right after. Yeah, that was a real so there's real a scene where thing. they all, they didn't play together for almost two years, and he got on his motorcycle and he, he rode over fifty five thousand miles.
1: Isn't that crazy? Yeah, um, just, I think there's just a full on separate documentary just about.
0: They're probably they probably should which be, I, yeah. I believe
1: I also watched if I yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and then check this out though I thought this was really fucking cool and this is shout out to Neil. He, dude, so he came back from this and he's like, he's all nervous that he's not going to be able to play Mm -hmm. and like, he's just, you know, so, and you know, he could have phoned it in and kind of like worked on his craft and everything, but instead he gets a famous jazz drummer named Freddy Gruber to teach him how to basically play like, like traditional grip technique, jazz Mm -hmm. style, but incorporate that into their songs. So he came back with like a whole new approach to drums and it was just like like to say you dude you could have just you could have just played the songs yeah that would have been fine. it would have been fine but at like that age just being like no i'm gonna like learn you know after being in a band for 30 years you're like no i'm gonna learn a new technique
1: well that's just that just proves that he's one of the greatest that's, that's ever do it. and that
0: is really why so um fucking awesome man i uh i do you feel
1: like after rewatching this, you you like Rushmore again, or like I, you know because you, you you not that you dislike them, but you I don't dislike really a fan. Them.
0: I'm just you know it's just the vocals kind of get to me after a while, and yeah, just the that that can be a bit just much how syncopated me. everything is. It almost gets like too perfect, mm-hmm. you know, in a way. Um, and that's kind of my thing. Do you know what I mean? I like sloppy rock and roll. You like man. that. You like that garagey? Yeah, grudgy I like stuff. that that wacky stuff. So. Uh, to me, I appreciate it even more just like watching it. Like mm-hmm. there's a part where Kirk Hammond talking about a solo that Alex Lifeson's playing on a song. He, he said they would play songs where like they'd be in the middle of the song and they would forget where they were in their own songs. Like they almost wrote songs above their own abilities yeah, sure. just to like nerd out and do this.
1: You got to keep yourself interested.
0: And they show Kirk Hammond watching this footage of him or they like, you know, they show the footage of him narrating like this specific guitar solo on one of these songs. And this is still like in the late seventies and he's just, it's, it's so beautifully written and it's technical, but it's tasteful. And it's just like that kind of shit is just, you know, I don't know. That's what made them like really fucking awesome. Yeah, man. So, um, it's long, Fantastic story from top to How, bottom.
1: It just as a documentary. Do you feel like it was well made? Absolutely. And interestingly
0: shot. Yeah, kind of uh, it was shot great. Tons of footage. Interviews with all the band members, plus like those kind of celebrity interviews mm-hmm. throughout. Um, I don't believe there was like narration. I don't think they really needed it. Yeah. Um, but it 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 start to finish was like the story of their whole career. I don't know what's happened to them since 2010. Really. I'm, I think they played again in 2016. Maybe. Yeah. But
1: unfortunately. Well, we know that Neil has unfortunately passed away.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of when he. When he passed. I don't remember what year it was. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. And that, so it's uh, fucking awesome. It's the full story. Rotisserie-based cabinets.
1: Rotisserie-based? How many rotisserie-based cabinets on your arbitrary uh, ranking? Solid
0: 8 out of 10 rotisserie-based cabinets. Eight, it, like an 8 by 10... 8x10 rotisserie based. There, it is. there you go. So, yeah, man. It's uh, Beyond the Lighted Stage. If you guys are Rush fans, you, I mean, you've probably already seen it. It's you're, on you're the, it's been, yeah, it's been on the services for sure. I don't yeah. know where. It I mean, you can get it days. on like, you know, for three bucks on Amazon or something like that if you just watch it. Which is just the case with
1: freaking everything.
0: I know. Especially some of these ones I pull out of my butt because I'm like, I'm going to watch some shit that, you know, hasn't been around in a while. I'm running out of content. So, but wow. I was excited for this one, man. It was, it was a fun. That was a good one. I mean, it, and that's, I feel like it hit, I don't
1: know if I would call it a classic, but it's one of those, rock, it shows up on lists of rock docs. If you docs.
0: Google top rock docs of all time, it's mm-hmm. always in the top It's always in there. Something. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah, man. Good one.
1: Yeah, dude. Michael Might have to, well, and we talked about Yes a little bit, unfortunately, yesterday. Yes. The, the drummer passed, but oh, might have to do a little little prog, prog listening later. Let's get into some future gear in honor of Rush, who are into futuristic things. <laughs> they sure are. Uh, by taking it back to 1967 real fast and that Gibson 330 sitting next to us. Because, uh, as we talked about You made a little uh, upgrade on there, I a little did. improvement. I did. I did. So uh, the, when the guitar, as it came to me, the Bridge P90, and we talked about this before, but this is the update we're doing right now. Uh, it was a little a little weaker than i would have liked it just it did not stand up to the output of the neck pickup which is just becoming one of my very favorite sounds on planet earth here or maybe anywhere else too i don't know if they've got an atmosphere with which i can create some sound but i decided you know what i'm gonna tackle this issue and i bought myself some dog ear p90 shims from mojotone.com I did a little research. Look, uh, there were a number of people offering these on the internet. These seemed to be the ones that f- would work best for me, so I decided to take the plunge and do this myself. Dave.
0: Yeah, I know, uh, because when I walked in, you were playing with that toggle switch, That's going right. back and forth, and I have to say, that was a huge improvement, like to what you know, to how how much volume loss you were kind of going through. Oh,
1: I'm so know. happy to hear you say that because I thought I was hearing the same. Yeah, you know, I would. The neck pickup still has a little bit more beef to it, but Which that's just the nature of that sound. Got more bass and yeah. stuff, but the bridge still like you can kind of clang a chord and go back and forth, and it's not a huge difference it's at not all.
0: Not a drop at all in volume. So yeah. at uh, least to me,
1: it worked. I so th- there are three. I, I bought th- one that included three different thicknesses, thinking that oh the I'm probably going to have to use the thickest one, and uh, actually when I first put it on, went with the medium. Just kind of eyeballed it and went with the medium I didn't have to sh- shave it down or anything like that uh you know there was there was no forming it was it was literally just drop in and rescrew the sort mm-hmm. of there's like you know because it's a fully hollow guitar there's like sort of these little like wooden posts kind of that the screws are kind of it's it's not a very sound structure to be honest sure. it's like it's just screwed into the There's top loosely right so uh, you're not working with a lot of real estate but basically i put the medium one on and it was too much so okay. i actually end up going down to just the skinniest one yeah and um put the other half of it was that as we've talked about i mean the guitar was just set up so perfect right so you didn't have to like raise the string well I, I didn't everything. want to exactly. but i did end up having to make quite a few adjustments because i went with much heavier strings as i am want to right. do uh I went with a lot much heavier, thicker strings than were on there already, so I did have to both adjust the bridge and the truss rod mm-hmm. on the guitar, which,
0: I mean, at first,
1: Dave, I was I was a little freaked out.
0: Sometimes you just never know when you get in there. I mean, I know our, our boys over at uh, CME, uh, you know, it, it set up that thing out perfect. Perfect. But then you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to, like, put it happen. out of whack or something. And, and,
1: I, and, and it happened because and, – and that's going to happen. It's a fully hollow guitar, and I put much heavier strings, so you're going to have to make a change. Well, what happened was as I – no matter what I did with the bridge, it was I was getting buzzies, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, I, really? I might have messed it up. And then Shit. I actually looked at the neck, and I was like, ah, yes, I do. In fact, can see that there is less bow you than there used to be. You're getting buzzies on the high
0: notes? On the, the high notes. notes yeah. So
1: then I adjusted the truss, went back and adjusted the bridge, felt good, still getting a little bit of buzzies. I was like, oh, no, I might have to get a professional. Gave it another crank on the truss yeah. rod.
0: Right, there you go. Problem solved. Yeah.
1: All good. And that was a
0: couple of days ago, right?
1: Yeah, and it's settled in beautifully. Yeah, now. dude. Um And we also have to remember again, this is and this is sort of the main reason I want to bring up while of course I'm proud of the fact that I was able to make this very easy but still, you know, uh, an adjustment to this vintage instrument to myself to my liking. There are when you're it just and this is what I want to talk about with you. When you're getting into these old guitars like this, yeah. There are sometimes just going to be some weird things about them. Mhm you know there's going to be a little Id- idiosyncrasies the tone knob is going to do weird stuff on certain things or which I'll come back to but uh, you know it's we just have to rem- I I just re- was reminded of the fact cuz I hadn't bought an old guitar in a minute I'd only bought at the last I guess the most recent guitar I got was that 12-string which is a modern guitar right. made to look like an old guitar but you just got to accept the fact that it's not going to be a prs
0: right it's not yeah. going to
1: be like a perfectly tuned and
0: h- up and down the neck exactly and all that there yeah. are going
1: to be little if you're getting a 60 year old instrument or something yeah. there's just going to be some 60 year old stuff sometimes with
0: them. yeah man and and to to me and i think a lot of vintage enthusiasts like that that is what gives it character as long as it's playable and it, you know i mean I, there's wacky things about my p bass that's my favorite bass i've ever exactly. owned and like but I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't start swapping stuff. There wacky things about the out. jazz-based
1: electronics yep. before you swap those stackies yep. on there. Too. Sure was, I was. Thinking man. about that, yeah. like you always had to kind of have it set up in like this one special spot, right? And because, f- right and time. I thought about it too, because again, as you remember, if you'll remember when I first got it, it was doing this sort of like y thing that I wasn't. sure I was sure going to ask you about that. It seems to have cleared itself out. Maybe I don't just, know if it was yeah. something because again, it's the original electronics. Those Maybe are it just like needed 50, to be played. over 50, 60 plus, or over fifty-year-old electronics right. in there. Yeah, it maybe need to be played out a little bit but here's a here's one little thing that I noticed about that I can't explain yet other than I think it might be an impedance issue I've noticed that when I play for like you when you walked in I was just playing through the Balthazar yeah. Cabaret 13 and you I use that normally like I use electronics normally I, I I don't have to wind anything back it's just like how I would normally use an electric guitar when I play it into the Kemper directly I've noticed that only on the neck pickup it's when when both when both the volume and tone controller are on full blast just like you would normally have them mm-hmm. all the way on 10 it gets almost a little too dark it gets this like sort of woolly dark thing on really? the, on the neck pickup but if i wind the tone knob back like one notch yeah it clears up and is the most weird. beautiful sound thing I've ever heard but that's... if I do the same thing on the Balthazar it doesn't react that way
0: oh so it's the, the amp is like
1: it's kinda... something about how it's interacting with the Kemper in the front end wow. or, the, or the Balthazar I, with that it's really I've never experienced anything like this that's but it's weird. just like again to come back to it it's it's not, I didn't buy a sir. I didn't buy a new, like right. perfect instrument. I bought this old thing that has some weird old things with it. And that I may, maybe, yeah, I could ex- sort of explain it away. Oh, it's a, an impedance issue, but it's still just like this weird ghost in the works that it, you buy when you buy a vintage thing that I had to be reminded of.
0: I mean, I think people drive themselves nuts getting like a guitar, you know, whether it's vintage or used. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is why a lot of people don't buy used guitars too. You know, they exactly. freak out about it. Um, where you're like, dude, it's sometimes just the characteristic of how that thing reacts. And you can either adapt to it or it can just annoy you and you can sell it or whatever. But I love that kind of shit cuz to me I use that like you're saying like it gets this darker woolier tone. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can write a song around that whole tone itself, you know what I mean? Like and, so maybe I, that can And and but also out.
1: it might have freaked, freaked me out to like oh no, it's not perfect. I can't <laughs> use it. But then I all I, literally all I have to do is remember to tweak it. Turn yeah. the tone knob back one yep. notch right. and it's the coolest sound. It sounds yep. so great. Yep. Yep. So, uh all in all, still I, there's no part of me that's fallen out of love with the 330 I'm, i love it even more now with my heavy beefy strings I'm on there so happy
0: with the uh with the bevel that you put around it too man or the shim i mean the shim yeah. worked out perfectly and and i did happen when i was
1: researching i found that the mojo tone ones already came with the surround blacked out yep and the black guitar, it. so it it, it is it actually it's looks kind of cool
0: from the side. I thought like it almost looked factory, like when he lifted it up and looked at the side. Yeah, it's, you can it's, see the shim a little it, bit because
1: it it's it's a thin enough composite material that it does sort of form to the arch top of yeah. the guitar, so it looks like it's part. It's, it does. It's, it's it's. I'm very very pleased. Ten out of ten with. Shimming. So, if, should any of you folks have any issues with your dog ear yeah. plugged into your the top of your arch top guitar that is fully hollow? I can recommend Mojo Tones dog ear pickup shims. Now, let me ask you this: When yeah. you
0: raised, because you said you tried the uh, the medium size one, you ended uh-huh. up using the thinner, the thinnest one. Um, when you tried the medium size, was it that it was hitting the strings, or was it that it was getting like a phasing issue with the pickup being? too It was close? too
1: close. The strings were too close to the uh, the slugs of the ma- the magnet. Yeah,
0: because I've heard. Yeah, I've heard of people saying like you know with like um, like specifically on like a P-Base or something, you can raise those pickups. Yeah, you know, there's the two split right. you know, pickups, and you can raise them to certain degrees and kind of mess with that. But then I've heard people saying it almost gets quieter if it's too close to the uh, to the You can the you
1: can get too close, and that will start to actually physically pull the strings down and choke them choke yeah. them out a little bit yeah. for sure. Right, uh, like like I like to get choked out, but. Um, <laughs> yeah i'm super i'm so stoked it's I, was perfect, nervous, dude, dude. I was nervous i was nervous doing it i think you're. I, all i've ready done a lot now. of stuff on guitars but not like you know it's just like a but the thing that I, it's set like i said it was set up perfectly yeah. it's this new expensive thing whatever but I, it's i'm so happy that i, did I think it you're uh i think you're all ready to go man oh it's it's dialed in it's and i've even it even the heavier strings make me kind of not hate the vibrato like i might just leave it
0: maybe it just works better with the with the extra tension. i needed there. a little extra tension yeah, I think. That yeah that makes sense uh this is
1: just like a random thing but i I, I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was cool of you uh you told me about this what we thought was a weird ish 73 jazz bass mm. on eBay recently and I just wanted you to quickly give us a little update on the story because I remember it was uh you you sent me this guitar and it had like a, it was a matching headstock and you're like I don't think it's the right neck yeah and then and what what, what just well, we'll tell the folks well, what happened it was a couple days of it- ago
0: Part of me is like happy about it, but part of me I don't want to be like that guy trying to like call someone out on their listing, like
1: you know. Sure, and it's not called We don't have to call anybody. Out. I think yeah. this was an honest issue, yeah. and I think it actually resolved in in a in a positive, well, geary I'll way.
0: Follow up with that. Sure. Um. So basically, there's. Uh, well,
1: feel free. I mean, should we? Do you not want to talk about it? If no, we, no. I should absolutely. We not, should we not? Oh, how about this? We can just say that it was like a potentially popular band. Person, but we won't mm-hmm. say who it was sure
0: yeah that's fine and yeah. if you want to fi- i'm sure you can find it because um, yeah. it's still listed um the so basically there, there's a you know I, I love ebay once in a while because there's great little find sometimes some you deals. can find little weird find little deals nuggies. just quirky guitars and shit i've bought many guitars off ebay and um so i'm I just scrolling through and fender 73 fender jazz bass pops up but i was like that is not because it just the neck wasn't right it mm-hmm. didn't have the blocks and uh it had like dots which you know could have could have alluded to an earlier than 73. Um, but it had a black matching headstock mm-hmm. and the body It was pretty cool looking. Yeah, black with a white pick guard. And and by the way, I mean, for a custom color, it had the tug bar under the strings, which yeah. would indicate that it's pre 73 The jackhammer. Right. So I'm kind of like, all right, well, this is uh this is cool. It's the guy was asking a lot of money, and I'll just I'll just say it because like if you want to fucking go look at it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it was like five grand. Yeah. And uh, well, no bids because that's still too much money for a 73 Jazz in my opinion. But so I'm looking at it and then I'm like, well, if this turns out to be like a pre-CBS and the guy just doesn't know what year it is, then that's absolutely worth The five neck grand. is worth that. Right? Yeah, right. So I'm looking at it. Black matching headstock. The Fender decal looked correct. Now here's where it gets weird. I just messaged the guy and I was like, hey, do you know anything else? About-? Oh, he only had one photo of like the whole that's thing. Right. It was just kind of a shitty, like you couldn't even really zoom in. It was just like one photo of the whole guitar. I'm like you got any more pictures? And he sent me a close up of the headstock, a close up of the body, and then a close up of the back of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the serial number checked out to be a 7273, so that was right. Um, the body, you know, looked fine. And then I was like, "Well, what's the deal with the neck?" Because, mm-hmm. you know, he said he didn't know. He's like, "I bought it from a guy 25 years ago. It's been hanging on my wall for 15 years. Yeah. I play other basses and all this stuff." So I'm like, "All right, whatever." Um, but obviously, he knows that they're, they're worth money. Like vintage guitars are mm-hmm. worth money, so he's selling it for a lot of money. And I just said, oh, well, if you pop the neck off." I'm really curious about that neck you know if you just undo the bolts we can we can take a look at the heel at that point i'm like i just mentioned it i'm not asking him to do this i'm you mm-hmm. know i'm not interested i'm not gonna buy it um well i might have if it was 63 or something like that yeah but i was like i'm you know if you want to do this here's how you can check because he's like i don't really know and then he, he did he wrote me back in like 10 minutes and was like hey so like i don't know what any of these markings mean can you look at it well The body was stamped Chambers, which was a builder in the early 70s Mm -hmm. at Fender. So that looked legit. The paint looked legit. There was no uh, refin markings in the neck pocket. I'm like, all right, you've got a 73 body. The neck, again, now upon closer inspection, before I even saw the heel, the dots were white. White plastic dots didn't exist until like the 80s on Fenders. Mm -hmm. You know, they were always ivory or clay, really. So you're looking at it and you're like, all right, well, this is fucked. And then he flips over the neck and it's got like... The truss rod's like an allen wrench not attachment a, which should be like the four way slotted yeah and uh no stamp but it had some like random lettering written in on like yeah. with a pen um but it didn't even look like was it was like a, it was like
1: a hex it was like a hex thing right yeah the truss
0: yeah. rod itself was like the allen wrench hexi- yeah. hexagonal shape you know so i'm like well that's just so my in my opinion immediate red flag folks you big red never flag see that there. well that's why i always ask to see pictures mm-hmm. you know of stuff and if they won't show you then just don't and the guy was super nice about it he was like oh man well i said he's like well, what do you think about this because you obviously seem to know what you're talking about And i was like look i think you got a legit body you'd have to get the pickups out to look and see the dates on underneath mm-hmm. the pickups but I think you've got a legit uh, 72, 73 body. I think the neck was replaced, which was really common to do back then because necks on those old early 70s fenders were, were garbage in most cases. Um, so I was like, you know, I don't know. This is this is my opinion. And I hate to break the bad news, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, it might not just be worth like what you think it is, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and he's like, dude, no problem. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. And then it's still listed at that price. And then uh, I so I, I checked this morning and I was like and that's why I'm kind of like, all right, I mean, he can either believe me or not, you know, but uh, he didn't upload the pictures that he sent me, which were great photos. He could have just put it in the listing. He could have made it, you know, in a a little attachment at the bottom, update, you know, the neck may not be original, bit at your own risk or whatever you want to say about it. Here's pictures. But it's just like, the listing is exactly the same as it
1: was. Well, you know what, Dave? I guess this wasn't quite the feel good story that I thought it was gonna be. No, <laughs> I, no thought, I thought it was because I was that was like oh, Dave was like the good Samaritan to let this guy know what he had and like took the time to like Which you I, know, give him I like did little advice do, and stuff. That's what I, I'm saying. I yeah. tried
0: to just be like, hey, you know, just to let you know, it's definitely not a seventies. I, even I a was just now. hoping
1: he uh, this person would have taken action. I
0: think know? so too. And maybe he's busy. I don't know. Um he again, he was really responsive in the messages. Yeah. Now I'm that's as far as I'm gonna take it, man. Yeah, I'm right. not gonna be like, hey man, you report it or report it. Fuck that like if somebody wants to spend that much on something they don't even know what it is I hate to say it but like they should listen to gear yeah
1: it is a weird sticky situation to put you in but it's you get yeah it's your choice but, but. I uh,
0: it was kind of funny because I, I was like dude I you know I hate to be the guy who like has to tell you this but, yeah you know, that's not what you because I is. mean I don't know if that's ever happened to you it's never happened to me but I know of stories of people on forums who've been like I bought a 62 strat and it turned out to be like a reissue or something and they didn't know what it was wow. and that happens man um, this I think this guy just didn't know and yeah. he just whatever somebody told him when he bought it innocently was like oh this is what it was I played it at gigs but uh the listing's still there and he didn't update the ad so that's kind of shitty uh, that, that, <laughs> is, I, that went from buck to yuck I mean
1: that's this is the this is the world we live in man that went from dope to nope that went which from I've, a, I've been trying to work that into a the GFI show. to a BFI that's right yeah, yeah. so well uh, do your research yeah, don't buy that one on eBay folks uh want to mention this real fast. We got a bunch of gear to talk about, but we got we this is a wacky episode here. Uh first I want to just this is I've been meaning I've mentioned this for a while. One of my favorite plugins of all time uh, made by Oak Sound Soothe 2. If you mix music, you've probably bought this plugin already, but it is now officially M1 native. So if you have M1 processors in your Macs, you can now officially run this plugin. Nice. Like it's it's been it still hadn't been updated for that non-intel silicon so exciting stuff now everyone can finally i know you're a huge fan of the
0: m1 i've
1: got both now and boy oh boy that m1 just rips your face off it's so fast um very excited about that this is dave this is speaking of nope or dope or buck or yuck this is something that in my initial reaction i was very much yuck but then as i actually looked into it and learned more went to went to buck in my mind oh Switched uh, over from bad to good. I would say approach this with an open mind, Dave, because it... I thought we were going to have another... I feel like this
0: episode's full of twists and turns. I know.
1: I thought we were going to have another manly... Remember those manly rings? Sure do. Uh, for Fender? Yeah. G- and I thought we were going to have ourselves another manly ring situation. Right. Because we've got something here uh, that I was going to call Gibby Wrists. Because uh, Gibson has partnered with a, comp- a jewelry brand to, re- to reveal the guitar wrist, which you know I like a pun. It's
0: a pun. Yeah. It's very good
1: it's got a it's got the w for the wrist and
0: uh i've seen we've, this we've
1: got these they're called gibby wrist no that's just what i'm calling them it's the guitar wrist. but yeah. here's the thing before we get any further i have to mention it is a non-profit sustainable jewelry brand and it's and all of the chair all the charitable proceeds are going to the i believe it's called the gibson gives foundation so this isn't some this isn't some ridiculously expensive cash grab just to, to make for the sake make some of, cash yeah, of old this strings. is all all for charity so yeah. the second i learned that That's i was cool. just like ah okay and I'm this now is open licensed this. by gibson yeah so check it out so the new gibson gives collection contains a range of jewelry made from strings donated by gibson and, uh, through the use of guitars from their uh, Gibson London showroom, so the guitar, the strings that come off of the p- guitars that people play in like their public showroom mm. are going to this. Yeah. So it's all instead of just recycling. Yeah, each item is handmade, and there are <clears throat> a bunch of styles of bracelets, rings, necklaces, and earrings with a Gibson tag attached to each, which we'll come back to. I did look at them. Uh, the items are packaged, and this is kind of cool in a luxury hard shell presentation case that looks sort of like that's cool. like you know the California girl. Gibson case. That's kind of uh, The cool. brown I and pink crushed that. velvet yeah. associated with each item is a certificate of authentication, including a unique serial number. Uh, so the, actually the, I looked at the, the guitarist, the company that makes this has three main aims, which I think is pretty awesome. Reduce the estimated 700,000 kilograms or 1.5 million pounds of guitar strings metal that ends up in a landfill each year. Did not realize it was that high. That's a big number. i gonna repeat that. 700,000 kilograms or 1.5 million pounds of guitar strings end up in landfills each year. Each year. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, And so that's aim, aim one, reduce that. Two, raise awareness and funds for charities and worthy causes. Hell yeah. Yep. All about that. Three, give fans a piece of uh, some guitar memorabilia, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's fun. Win 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 win. Yeah. Uh to date, they've raised over 100,000 pounds for over 50 charities and saved over 9,000 sets of strings Whoa. from landfills. So have
0: they've been out for a little while? A little
1: bit, yeah. Okay. Uh the short space it's been a short span of time. Uh 275 musicians have joined the cause as well, including Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden. Oh, no uh, shit. And many more. Uh, include also Ernie Ball, Roto Rotosound strings, GHS. Uh, like I said, Gibson. Other partners are now joining with. The yeah, I was going to say. Like, more.
0: I wonder if they, you know, others other companies are going to join in.
1: Yeah, here's the best part. I looked at them first of all. I I was kind of worried that they were going to be super ugly. I like actually. I, I like a couple. I would wear some of the designs. Yeah. F- so that's another win. The other win is that they are not that expensive. You know, I was expecting like thousands of dollars oh. and we're talking about bracelets and this was all in pounds or I guess I could have done the conversion but I didn't bother to yet. Uh, the bracelets were all like 30, 40 uh, uh, British pounds. Rings mm-hmm. were like up to uh, like maximum like 160 and then earrings were like 35, necklaces and that sort of range too. So they, it, it, is, it is still definitely semi-affordable. Yeah. And I think, honestly Dave, I think I might buy a piece or two.
0: Well, I liked the plain guitar string one. Yeah, I yeah, like, that would be kind of cool. But I, I have seen like that. There idea. was I like mean, a, the bassist, and it had a skull on there. And yeah, stuff. Like, there was some of that. Little, I, don't,
1: I didn't even mind that one. Some of them not my taste, but there were pieces in there that like, I was uh, like, I would definitely wear and buy and be happy to. I would buy my wife the
0: earrings. I know she'd wear those for. Yeah, sure. Dude, yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Um, we're on the next Top Bloods gig. I did think though, like. I mean, people. I've been going to flea markets since I was a kid. People definitely have made jewelry out of guitar strings, before. for sure. But I like I, how
1: I have personally wrapped a guitar string around my wrist before. Yeah. Like it's not or the little
0: ring. Make a little ring out of it. Yeah, you know? it's not,
1: But they, they they did a good job of packaging it. Yes. with and then it's got the little. I mean, the peg. box itself
0: is like a cool
1: idea. The I case is yeah. pretty. I just need to have that one of those in my collection. Yeah, just
0: throw some picks in there or something. Dude. Yeah, dude. yeah, man, I I love it, dude. I mean, it's you know we it's always funny because we always go back and forth between like. Like who's like the better company, like with Fender or Gibson, like who's, who's doing more for charity. Who's doing more for like women, you know, like just like going back and forth. Gibson stepped up on this one. Gibson won this one. Yeah, they did. Wow.
1: Wow love to love to be able to yeah, say man. in my in my own little personal weird in, insider love of Gibby stuff
0: if you wore the get like let's say you got the guitar string bracelet mm-hmm. would you have to put some <clears> other <throat> bracelets have on to too? other bracelets with it some johnny, I don't some johnny could... depp style like other yeah bracelets. maybe
1: like one of those like like a beaded one yeah. like some sort of leathery one with a yeah. tassel on there because okay. then you could get full
0: dad with it my my uh my mom's so sweet and she goes to, like, antique shops and stuff a lot. And, like like th- Those little, like, boutique, you know, ex- over overpriced stores. And I, I kind of like going to those myself. For dude. Christmas this year, she got me, a, like, a leather bracelet. Uh-huh. With, like, the hangy beads and stuff. You and don't like it? I have never worn it. I feel really bad about Sh- it. Show it
1: to me. Maybe I'll maybe take it off your hands. No, I can't know? give it to ah, you. It. I'll, I'll buy it off you. I was dude. like,
0: maybe I'll wear it to, like... Uh, you know, I will wear it to like a family thing where I know I'm see Oh, seer. this old
1: thing? Yeah, I, wear this. I forgot it's that like you got me this, brand- well. It's all stiff still. It like still sticking yeah, yeah. <clears> but,
0: <throat> um, but yeah, I could probably wear the guitar string one with that, you know. I've never been a big bracelet guy. That's my thing. Yeah, I know. I like watches. But I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's great, man. Kudos to fucking Bigson for stepping big, it up.
1: Big support of that one. Uh, we've got some pedals to talk about before we get to the main sort of topic that I wanted to work through kay? later. Uh, there have been some new... Universal audio pedals this week, folks. But we're like right in NAMM season right now, so there's a lot of stuff leaking and coming out whatever, but these are available already. So we already knew about the first three universal audio pedals. We had the freaking guy who made them on this show. So there's three more have been added to the series, but these are all amp-in-a-box pedals, David. Yeah. We talked about these a little bit. I have opinions on them. Yeah, absolutely. You've got opinions. Well, here we go, folks. Thoughts and opinions. Though the company isn't attending NAMM. Did not realize that. I didn't Universal realize Audio... a lot of
0: companies aren't attending. Yeah, because
1: it's kind of the weird in between year one. Yeah. We uh, and I were uh, as a company and not attending. Uh, there are three new pedals that they've announced that are in the same form factor as the other ones it's the Dream 65 Reverb, a Ruby 63 Top Boost, and the Woodrow 55 Instrument. Yeah. And they don't really go very far out of the way to hide what they are. The 65 Reverb is like a Blackface Deluxe more or less Mm -hmm. the ruby 63 top boost that's an ac 30 and the woodrow 55 is like a tweed deluxe 19 55
0: cool so they hit the top three big guys
1: yeah you know it's i guess maybe it's just because i'm not a big tweed guy in general i'm always kind of like not as interested in that one right but either way uh and and we'll come i am gonna come back to this thought as we talk about a, a, something else a little bit after this one but just remember that this this amp selection uh so i'll say this each pedal offers a, a very distinct option i guess like you've got the really chimey deluxe blackface scoop thing you've right. got the top boost so that can do the sort of gritty punch thing even with single coils and of course a tweet everyone knows what the tweet is good at the is that man like, the the blues and the and the the, the ranch garage yeah. type stuff, uh, but that's the nice thing is that because Universal Audio A is already really good at modeling amps as that's, we know with that's the plug-ins. big selling point for me. But yeah. B, and here's another thing to consider is that we've talked about okay. on this show the Ox, their that set top amp top oh, thing that has all the modeling stuff yes. in there. It has uh, the. Speaker cabinet, mic, and room tone pairings, which have been derived oh, from Aux.
0: That steps it up another level. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does.
1: So you've got aux. selectable speakers, mics, uh, boost, verb, and trem. Depending on what the amp is, they're sort of like amp-specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, re- reverb and vibrato. Um, and then actually with the UAFX mobile app, you can actually tweak an extra level of behind-the-scene tone effecty stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. So there's even more control than beyond what you can get. I believe it's two foot switches, six knobs, and maybe three switches per amp is how it's set up.
0: Yeah, I have to say if I was going to get an amp modeling pedal, I would absolutely look at the UA stuff. Because just because of how good their, yeah. their everything sounds with their recording, and style.
1: I like where your mind is because we're we're kind of reading the tea leaves right now with this Universal Audio just released these three. We've talked about a bunch of these in the past. I mean, Strymon made the Iridium. There are a yeah. number of of, of products. I think even available. some amp builders
0: make make versions of their own. Like, doesn't Vox have like their own Vox pedal? That like does...
1: there are Vox pedals. I don't know who if it Korg, yeah, Korg, Korg, Marshall, Vox, whatever that whole conglomerate. They probably yeah. have some sort of but I kn- yeah amp metaling pedals.
0: amp amp modeling pedals are nothing new for sure and it's funny you should say that because
1: the next product that we're going to talk about is another amp modeling pedal that just got announced that we late late to the presses i had to add on here too that is now um available pre-order i should say those universal audio pedals 399 each great price available right
0: now high yeah it's high enough price to be like all right this is substantial but not also like cheap you know and
1: and i want to say that in general with these pedals like I think that the best use for them is going direct. You use it at the end of your pedal board. You know, you've got all your effects and stuff still feeding into it. Uh, and then you can use it like you'd use an amp and then you go direct either to a PA or to yeah. a recording, whatever they can. And this is something you and I were talking about. They can be used still into another amp, yeah. which could potentially do some fun, cool stuff. But I don't think that you're going to, it's not going to be, you're not going to make as your drastic sound a, like a basement or something. You can like sort of, Tweak it, but it's not going to be as yeah. distinct as, as all that. Especially if you're already using all the amp modeling, or and uh, I should say, the speaker modeling and the, and the room modeling and all that right. kind of stuff. It's like, think about it. You're you're then at this point, you're running an amp, and then you're modeling a microphone, and then you're modeling the whole just set, a lot. part of the chain, and then to go back into another amplifier. Yeah, is it might not make well, that that's, much yeah,
0: sense. Yeah, and I, I guess that was my overall. It's not a gripe. It's just more of like, when would I use this? You know, yeah. like 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 my guitar player plays an AC30. Uh, would he would he buy the AC31 or would he buy the Fender one? I he might want to buy the AC31 to and just, just to run have like a home boost almost, or it, to extra.
1: like or to for recording. It might if That's you're true. not happy with the setup that you're getting. Did there. they say
0: if they had a they have XLR on those or are they just
1: it's like, a quarter inch or all quarter inch? Okay, uh, uh, yeah. Um, here's the thing, Dave. I've got to talk about another amp in a box right now because two notes who are very very popular in specifically the kind of like speaker modeling direct world mm-hmm. that ir stuff they just now put out their new amp in a box pedal called the revolt and i'm going to tell you why i'm excited about this one my friend here we go it is a three channel amplifier sim- simulator with an all analog signal pass so it's not digital chips going on in there and it has a 12 axm 7 preamp tube run at a really hot 200 volts for added warmth and bite built into it so it's all analog and it has a tube in here right oh here we go here's the other thing that i'm really excited about so each of those other pedals again 399 universal audio you're buying incredible tone yep they're one amp each so if you wanted to have multi-amp setup got a very large variety of tones collect them all but not even like really heavy tones you know it's a pretty it's a pretty specific subset you're gonna have to spend some more money with this one it has 3 channels but they're a full gamut of tones each each one and they don't really hide it at all. It's American clean which they are very clear as a Fender basement, uh 100 watts. so that's the like crystal clean chime Infinite headroom. headroom yeah. Exactly. British crunch which is a Marshall Super Lead so sure. that like in between still girthy heavy AC/DC maybe but like not fire power flame throwing metal you could you could boost it into metal which we'll get back to because yeah. it does have an a total it's got an analog od boost built into the oh, pedal shit, as well dude. and then finally the last channel is built on uh what they call modern lead which is a soldano slo 100 so you get oh, that's like, cool hardcore chug metal you you could do all the, the metals new, yeah, the newer with all the stuff modern uh, as much as much high gain gnarliness as y'all need damn yeah so that here's the thing you've got universal audio you want a deluxe, boom, you've got that sound. This one is kind of like you want the full gamut of guitar tones right. built in. right? You got it. Because it also does have a fully analog speaker simulator. Notice I say analog, not digital. Two, in my experience, I find that Two Notes has been known for their digital side of things where they're really good at the speaker, um, the speaker simulation with IRs and digital loaders and stuff. Sure. And this is not that. You would basically need to use another digital setup to get that full you can achieve the same thing but it's not using the same technology okay and interestingly i noted that it comes with a download for it's called uh their series g dine ir cabinet collection which it's just basically 10 irs from their digital stuff that you can download and if you have you know something like their captor x or torpedo or you know one of their other products that does the iron loading they give you the them to like load onto your machine mm-hmm. but it doesn't have it built in so i just wanted to make sure that was clear
0: interesting um i mean it seems to me like you know but i'm more of an analog kind of person mm-hmm. anyways what's the what were you we at with the price on this thing We'll get there. Let me finish it. Does, a couple
1: other things I want to say is you, it's built in. So something that a lot of people like to do with these is something called the four cable method because it's so it has a, an effects loop built into it, which is awesome. You run your, run it like an amp and then you can still run your delays after the preamp if you want and all that sort of stuff. But you can use a four, four cable method, which is a way to switch stuff that people really like. It has that feature built right in and it also has MIDI built in, which is oh, another shit. advanced feature. Um, just want to say that again. Great deal, a lot of stuff built in, kind of a different beast. And than it's not the a UA. huge pedal either. It's about the size of your your normal, like double larger pedal at this point. Not like, that, like the like that, memory, like that loop pedal. Like that loop pedal. Yeah. Not not huge, but two double size. Uh it's currently available for pre order. Comes out in September. Dave, what do you think the price is gonna be? Six ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Oh, same, price same price as the UA pedals
0: sorry guys they're sort of different beasts
1: but yeah wow i mean it is is a they're direct competitors in that that price point
0: it seems like if you like someone like me would want to buy something like that to experiment with because i don't know what tones i want to find yet and i want to be able to kind of have those three those three different way Mm -hmm. different options than maybe something like you know the ua which is it, it does what it does very well. You want a deluxe in a box, you've got it.
1: Yeah. But this one, yeah, maybe you, you want a bunch of different options. Uh, you know, of course, your results will vary based on the gear that you use and whatever th- you think sounds best, but there are two highly respected companies coming out with these. So I feel like, again, we're kind of reading the tea leaves. Are, are we going to see amps disappear more and more and more and more now that companies are spending the time and resources and money to think like, hey, we need to have a product that, is going to eliminate amps
0: right because we're we are right now still at the best like they've, they've probably ever been yeah right for stuff absolutely. like absolutely um so yeah i mean now i'll you know and we've talked about it but i'll, I'll always enjoy the weight of carrying around like a big yeah. amp and like just the sound of like the speaker you know but push man air. yeah pushing air but if you can you know for, for some of us geezers out there you know playing playing gigging until our sixties and seventies playing in your church and such playing in your church, doing recording, you know, um, amps and, amps and boxes, baby. It's the future for sure. But I, but I I think they'll coexist for a long time. I hope so. Yeah. Um, they they will, as long as I've got all these amps, I will tell you too, man, you know, I'm, I, I love the bells and whistles, but I'm sold with the, uh, With the tube that's on that pedal too, it's good looking. It's it's got and 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 they're
1: running it at a high at 200 volts, so it's not just there for looks. actually, you're actually going to get you're going to hear it. Comprish probably. I I love Tony boys out of it. Speaking of Tony boys, I've got I I there's another pedal I'm going to have to buy. And it's a real it's a it's a bummer, but it's not because it's one that I've been excited about for a bit, and then it kind of think went out of production, and now they're making a new version of it. And Dave, you know, I love me a harmonic percolator. Yes, you do. And there's a company called uh, there's a company called Electronic Audio Experience Experiments, and they have made something uh called the Dude Incredible, which is a, a shellac reference for those who don't know, because it combines uh the harmonic percolator circuit in a box and the same box as an intersound instrument voice preamp. Mm-hmm. Which people say that these two together is a super magic combination. Oh, shit. and I have wanted the pedal it's like i said it it just got expensive i think that was it was out of of print for a minute they're now making a a mark ii version okay and i think it's the one for me because it's been recalibrated they've got slightly different components to take it even into nastier quote territory which it's always nice to have those options you've got to have those options with a harmonic percolator uh it's basically it's got some additional toggles where you can select different like gain ranges uh, you've got a diode switch now that delivers either, either more compression or less. Uh, and there's a, it's like a two, you can switch them, I think independently of each other, the preamp circuit and the harmonic percolator circuit as okay. well. And, uh, it's available now for two ninety nine And I think I just kind of, I don't just, think I have a choice. I think honestly. you know where In your two ninety
0: nine is going this episode. I, it's
1: yeah. I know it happens every week. This is the most expensive podcast fucking ever because <laughs> I, we, we
0: don't make money instead. I just have to keep buying stuff because yeah, right. it's so cool uh oh man that sounds fucking awesome though, i know dude. well because like uh, with shellac that was kind of their thing right they they use the harmonic I, yeah and
1: not all the time he turns it on when yeah. uh and steve albini's been a fan for a long time but he turns it on for like the craziest moments usually it's yes, like the right. super over the really stuff. over the top shit
0: yeah. oh that's badass dude
1: yeah so another another sick pedal i mean no
0: on one's tonight. really gonna know uh how like you'll appreciate how that pedal is gonna sound because you You are very much in love with the harmonic percolator. Oh, I
1: know it intimately.
0: Yes. So you'll know right away. You'll be like, this is either awesome or this isn't worth the money. And
1: I hope that it does the harmonic percolator thing. Don't get me wrong. But also because I have like a dozen of them, I want it to do something, maybe something like push it a little bit. And I'm hoping that because they've made it a little nastier, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. that it maybe does something slightly different too that I'm not used to, which will be an exciting thing to What are the uh,
0: originals going for? Original? The Mark 1s. Oh, not I, the Powermatic, oh, but oh. that company. Is you more. know,
1: that's a good question. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I, I, I more than 300. Yeah, you know, right? Or but maybe less now because there's now this mark too. So the the market does fluctuate from time to time. For and yep. maybe, it's, maybe we got to buy the dip, Dave. Buy the dip, bro. Or well, right, what do you say we land? We land the sexy jet of love and gear and uh, <laughs> get into the main final topic, Coming and that is it. we're going to talk about some guitars selling and auctions and prices and and stuff because i for a couple things first of all uh, a couple things sold this week that i noticed and second uh an article came out that talked about the 11 11 most expensive guitars that have ever been sold at auction and we're gonna run through them let's do it so but before that i want to say that um First, uh, this is going to come back to Dave's Docs because this week Alex Lifeson sold his extremely famous ES355 that he's most famous for, the white one with the blocks. Oh, shit. That sold at auction after 13 bids. And let me say this. We're going to talk about the 11 most expensive guitars that have ever sold at auction. At auction, sure. Private sales are a separate matter that we'll talk about briefly. Uh, This doesn't even crack the top 11. so. That said, the Alex Lifeson guitar, the now? Lifeson three fifty five, his guitar that he played everything on. What are you gonna guess? Oh man, it went for. I I'll tell you this. No idea. The estimated original pre uh, auction value yeah. estimate estimate was three hundred thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say maybe like you know ninety thousand or something.
1: Dude, way less three eighty four. Really? Honestly, it went for less than I was expecting. three eighty four what? Three hundred eighty four thousand dollars. Oh no, I was saying ninety thousand. Oh, ninety thousand. Yeah. I thought you were saying. Oh, sorry. I thought. You were oh, three
0: hundred eighty-four thousand. That's pretty. Because the
1: original estimate that they said before the auction was three hundred thousand.
0: Oh, I got you. Okay, and yeah. I thought you. I thought you were saying it went for less than that. But mm-hmm. I was thinking it would have anyway. I thought
1: it was going to go way more than three eighty-four. I
0: mean, he, I know he had fa- like he had famous guitars, but again, in that doc, it was like he. He was playing almost a different guitar in every yeah. every you know clip that they totally. were showing. So especially
1: in the early days. But the, this that the one of the reasons this guitar special. Not only did he record and play it all the time, but it was the one that his signature Gibson. That's the one that that's based on.
0: Okay. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Uh,
1: so again, three eighty four didn't even come close to cracking the top eleven. Um, also, this week I noticed uh, John. Uh, there was a John Bonham owned. Ludwig Vistalite mm-hmm. that was actually it was like a it was smaller size than he normally kit. played yeah. that his kid played that was for Jason Bonham that also sold this week any any guests
0: yeah I saw that one that was uh, that one I saw a couple out of this out of this article it was uh that was like 180 something maybe it was
1: 106
0: 106 thousand
1: yeah. uh and the kit
0: you can it's see a cute little kit
1: Jason Bonham playing as a child during the Moby Dick montage yes. in Song remains the same Very so cool. it's in that movie. Uh, but yeah, those, so those two were actually outside of this main article, which I am now going to pull up because, uh, first of all, I want to say this, all of the guitars that we're going to talk about really quick. We're going to run through the top 11. Uh, the combined sale price is (laughs) $27,619,000. This article points out with that, you could buy more than 122,000 square bullet strats Uh. or. The entire output, that sewer guitar and amps, like that company, that they make for a year plus more. Wow. Like their entire output. Uh, all th- all of the guitars are from just three manufacturers. I want you to tell me what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Who are they, Dave?
0: Well, Fender, obviously. E- oh, yeah. Uh,
1: Gibson. E- oh, yeah. Obviously. And who's number three? Gretch? Good guess, but think acoustic.
0: Oh, uh, Martin? There you go. Yeah, of course.
1: And uh, there is one independently made guitar, which we'll talk about. Okay. Uh, But note, uh, the classic designs like the Tele, SG, Flying V, not on the list. Uh, Also, as we mentioned previously, this leaves out uh, private sales because... Yeah. They don't often or ever disclose those. Like, for instance, uh, the Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix's Woodstock right, which I have seen in person. And, that, was and talked about. that was a private sale. That uh, was a private sale purportedly for $1.3 in 1993. So for Jeez. way more now uh, to Microsoft's Paul Allen. It was at the, his museum, which is where I saw it. And then the, uh, obviously, Greeny, Kirk Hammett's, Guitar that was owned by Peter right. Green and Gary Moore before. Um, they're saying it was about two million in 2014, but wow, um, really, no one really knows exactly what that was. Jeez, um, that which, even
0: seems high to me. But all right.
1: I, I don't know. I mean, that is that's maybe the most famous burst. I I might yeah? argue
0: more than uh, uh, Jimmy Page
1: what was his called no one knows like, it's, it's just like green everyone knows what Greenie is yeah has well, like the thing didn't
0: he have the scar face wasn't that what it was called or something
1: i think bonamassa has scar face oh okay
0: but that jo- was more of just jo- like a joebo's got the scar face joebo's got them
1: all dude here we go let's get into it the top level we'll start with number 11
0: okay who
1: just who who whose strat are we gonna name right here dave uh srv Stevie Ray Vaughan great guess really think a little worse I don't offend anybody. Like, there's one guy that we who plays a strat oh. that we don't. Oh, mind your boy offended. Clapton. There it is. Yeah. His Blackie. Yes. Uh, in 2004, sold for 959 thousand. But he's also
0: had numerous Blackies. I'm pretty sure. But yeah,
1: that was that was the 50s. That one? was the yeah. That yeah. was the one that where he like bought all the guitars. God, it keeps reloading the article. It's so annoying. Oh, that's annoying. It's the uh, the 50s one where he bought a bunch of different 50 strats and then put all the best of them together. That was <laughs> that was Blackie. Such a Clapton move. Uh, did that in 1970. Okay, so here's another. I think these are, I think it's all, it's going to be all famous people. A lot of them are going to be strats. Do I have to guess each one?
0: Cause this is going to be hard, dude.
1: No, it's going to be impossible. So we're just going to talk about yeah, it. Number just, 10.
0: All right, we'll be here all day. Bob
1: Dylan's 1964 Fender Strat from cool. the 65 Newport Folk Festival yes. in New York. Sold 2013 $965,000. The whole time that we go through this, my mind is going to be thinking about, well, shit, if that was 15, 20 years ago, I was ago, just going to say gonna that be right now. Yeah,
0: because even even five years ago, things were different, you know? So,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five freaking minutes ago. Yeah. Uh, number nine, David Gilmore's Martin D35. Cool. Uh, it was, they said it was, his, he says it was his best guitar and the one luxury item he'd want if you're stranded at sea. That sold for uh, 1095000 Wow. This is an interesting one, but, I mean, makes sense, I guess. Uh, number eight, Dwayne Allman's 1957 Gibson Les Paul. It's a gold top with humbuckers, hmm. and it sold in 2019 for $1.25 Wow, not bad. Yeah. This is the most expensive Les Paul, not a Burst gold top. Okay.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, if it's not a purse. Get
1: ready for another Strat because David Gilmore's 1954 Fender Strat comes in at number seven. In 2019, it sold for $1.8 million. Was that a black one? Before it's a it- white one with a gold pick guard. On it. Oh, yeah. Okay. But serial, it is serial number one Strat. Wow. Confusingly, not the first Strat. But it is because they didn't one. have cereals at first, right? It was it? the first
0: the, fir- the
1: first strat was zero one zero zero. Oh, OK. Yeah. That's uh, confusing. And the first owner, this is interesting, was a country star uh, and then sold to Seymour Duncan. Seymour Duncan wound up then getting it to Gilmore eventually.
0: Oh, no shit. Personally.
1: Here is the ne- number six is the only non Fender Gibby Martin. Do you have any idea what that might be? Um, Is it electric? Yep. And uh, it was owned by... Oh,
0: is it like a, like the Brian May guitar or something?
1: That is an amazing guess. But no, I don't think Brian May has sold his guitar. I yeah, think I don't think so either. It. I was figured I'd guess. Jerry Garcia's Wolf. Oh. In, t- in 2017, sold for $1.9 million. Uh, it was Luthier Doug Irwin's bespoke creation for Jerry yeah,
0: Garcia. Yeah, that's just the one-off, kind of like the double cutaway. And it's got time. a wolf
1: yes. uh, inlay deal down, which I've seen this guitar in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, that's cool it's got all sorts of weird crazy effects and stuff built into it and and like knobs so you can control external effects Um, but yeah that was that was a Jim Mersey buy I believe actually many of these guitars are Jim Mersey that's the uh,
0: The Colts guy
1: Colts owner yeah uh next number five john lennon's gibson j160 e in 2015 sold for 2.4 million Oof. that was a famous guitar which man. is you yeah, know, it's an acoustic it's super famous but man that's an expensive acoustic guitar sure think, wowzers uh that was on the beatles first us number one love me do and was stolen at a christmas concert in 1963 then stuff happened rock and roll history then uh it was found then. It, it was found. Wow. This next one, biggest surprise to me, totally forgot about this. And you, I'm sure you know as a Fender and a Strat guy, but in number four, it was called the Reach Out to Asia Fender Stratocaster that sold in Qatar in 2005 for $2.7 million. What? Never owned by a superstar. So that's the only one on this list. It was for victims of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. Oh, okay. uh, it was a humble Mexican standard Strat with signatures all over it. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Clapton, Brian May, Jimmy Page, David Gilmore, Jeff Beck, Townsend, Mark Knopfler, Ray Davies, Liam Gallagher, Ronnie Wood, Tony Iommi, Angus and Malcolm Young, Paul McCartney, Sting, Richie Blackmore, Def Leppard, and Brian Adams, who has also made another appearance in this episode. Holy shit. Uh, Again, that guitar sold for around $350 at the time. Price, $2.7 million for charity.
0: Well, yeah, that's a good example of the signatures being worth quite a bit.
1: The only time we'll pretty much ever see that. Yeah. Number three another david gilmore strat this is his black the black fender strat that a couple years ago sold for i don't know if you remember this that was 3.975 million is that what it was yeah Yeah.
0: that was that was like early like first couple episodes i think we talked about that didn't we
1: uh that's yeah that's freaking crazy to me but it's got the duncan pickups that gilmore wanted and all that you know all that sort of stuff the comfortably numb solo Mm -hmm. the guitar was on all this oh yeah Number two, this is the reason that we're doing this is that number two was just updated. And Dave, this is crazy. I don't know if you realize this. The number one and two guitars on the most expensive guitars ever sold at auction list were owned by the same person. Yeah. Kurt Cobain. Yeah, dude. Isn't that? I never would have thought. I definitely would have thought it would have been some bluesy dad, some sure. you know, someone, yeah. you know. Right.
0: That is interesting because of the demographic of because who number, number to one yeah. and two yeah.
1: are both Kirk Cobain. Number two, this is the one that the, just sold. 4.55 uh, $4. million dollars, a freaking mustache.
0: The smells like Teen Spirit mustache. Smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah. Which he really only played, I think, in that video. Like I don't think there's a lot of footage of him actually playing that specific guitar.
1: It does say that in this article it says that it got the occasional live run. Uh, and it did get a really nasty neck joint break. So, you know, it's it's, it's, a, it's a broken Mustang that's sold yeah. for almost $5 million. Oh, my million God, dollars. dude. Uh, also, how do you break the neck on a Mustang? Jeez. It was also, there was a famous 1993 Hollywood Rock Festival set where he played this. Okay. Um, but you're right. It, mostly known that smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, blues, yeah. For sure. Just yeah, that's sold. that's so
0: funny. Was that the, it was like blue, wasn't it? Or Yeah, teal? With,
1: with the uh, competition. racing stripe yeah. and matching headstock. headstock. Nice. Number one. Very cool. Also Kurt Cobain his martin d18e that in 2020 sold for six million dollars which in my opinion in the summer height of the pandemic
0: one of the coolest acoustic guitars ever
1: with it's got the two real ugly silver uh, electric pickups on there uh, but this, of course, was a guitar that he used for his MTV Unplugged set, which, which is the most just, famous
0: performance yeah. of all time.
1: Uh, which, yeah, it's just but yeah, yeah that's a really guitars.
0: interesting point, man. Kurt Cobain for the top two kind of blows my mind. Top,
1: top two, and this one was bought by the owner of road microphones, Peter Friedman. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, so it wasn't the Colts guy on, on those? no.
1: This one, he's he's promised to exhibit the guitar on a world tour, um but because of the Rona, he has not yet.
0: Man, uh, we got to start finding out where these like. The guitar tours go to, and we're going to go yeah. fucking well, strum them. Indianapolis isn't that far. I mean, is, no. does he have his, like, well, I can't just assume the guy lives in Indianapolis because he owns the Colts. But, I, you know. He, I yeah, he's probably, there, and
1: he's talked. I don't know if, if what the status is, but I know that I've read things about a sort of guitar
0: museum. In I've the read works. about him, like, wanting to put this stuff yeah. on display, and that's the reason he bought all these. Exactly. He lets people he play them and,
1: and that sort of stuff. Damn, come on. That'd be insane. It'll, your gear earbuds let us play can i'll put it in cg cg dude, cd imagine getting that guy in hey uh give me kurt's guitar let me crank let me, you mind if i put my strings on there yeah. real fast i brought my own amp yeah exactly you know, just
0: get ready to go can you imagine Do it's, your just, wacky it's just tuning? a
1: freaking that's why i said yes yeah you, dude you uh can you, uh, like you show up and it's just like a, a crate bx10 bass right. combo to plug yeah into. i wonder
0: what they you you would have to have if you really would let people play those you'd have to have a myriad of of just like amps to choose yeah, right of course i mean if you've right?
1: got the most expensive guitars in the world you might have a Dumble or two or something yeah to play comp- two. yeah some alexander well no actually never mind he's passed away i was gonna yeah. say you've got alexander
0: Dumble uh, yeah making stuff but um dude that's fucking interesting though man i never thought yeah. about it as like because i saw one the, and two i saw the article where it was just the i think it was the headline like kurt cobain's guitar yeah. you know the the mustang just recently the mustang sold, just right? sold a couple days ago and or uh, i didn't click through all of them but yeah just just hearing about that and then putting two and two together like oh he, you know, he's at the top. You've got is, some
1: Gilmore's. You've got some Clapton's. Yeah, you you got think some Kurt Cobain's?
0: Wow, I mean, and I know we've probably had this conversation, but I'm trying to think like, could you think of any other guitars of either uh, an artist living or dead that that should or maybe would cost more? Like at are this more point, famous I never would have thought
1: the Kurt stuff would have sold for that much, right. honestly. So it's. <sighs> maybe like a justin bieber something you know what i mean like there's gonna be some different new star that had yeah i just i don't i can't imagine any of the old stars i mean but although it's
0: we're in a we're in a we're in a
1: bubble right now and people have been bored and buying stuff online so it's like rich people just have more money to buy stuff with.
0: 4.5 million dollars board
1: right so yeah
0: i don't know i'm not sure yeah I can't um, think of any. I mean, I really can't. I mean, they they hit a lot of them in there. But yeah. I, I'm, again, I'm shocked that Gilmore probably wasn't worth more. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, or that even that Life Sin. I mean, but I guess it's the Rush might be more of a niche than I would have thought. Yeah. Well, it's also. It's, but I think the Brian May. I think that one. Some if that sells someday after he passes away or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. His his homemade. You know the original red the guitar. First one. Yeah. I think the red special. I think that could that could get up into this list
0: for sure um it's also interesting that it's like there's i don't know i guess you've got i don't know um i forgot i lost what i was gonna say i totally had an idea but it was uh yeah man i don't know that list is uh i it it blows my mind and now the oh this is what i was gonna say so this also goes for these are all charity auction right not private sale these are not charity. These are these are public auctions, auction, but auction. the,
1: they're not for charity. That's no, right, They're okay. just, pre- just just people are making money.
0: So then, yeah, I wonder what private. Except are. for I'm the
1: one probably. that we talked about. Well, there was still an auction, but the one that we talked about, where the proceeds went to the uh, right. Indian
0: Ocean Tsunami Fund. Correct. Direct. Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, don't insightful know, man. stuff, Cotton. Dude, <laughs> we'll I, see what happens. Yeah, man. Let's uh,
1: let's keep going. You know let's keep on going you know what else we don't need to do actually keep going because this has been a of a episode my friend and (laughs) i i I, man i had a great one so i'm excited about it i had real fun time i just want to say again as always i love you and i'm glad we get to do this and love y'all for listening to this thank you and if you did make it through that whole list and this entire freaking of an episode why don't you go make some music
0: bye